1: It's been a long time since I've recorded an episode of I'm Listening and a lot has happened since then. But I just wanted to let you know I am coming to you from inside of the coat closet in my apartment. So if you hear any coats rustling or the sound of a fridge humming, uh, that's the sounds of a person working from home and with what they have available to them. So if you didn't know it, We're in the middle of a pandemic and in the middle of a fight for justice that will hopefully lead to meaningful change. And somehow, with everything happening in our country, I had the unique and incredibly exciting opportunity to interview Perry Gilpin. Yeah, Perry Gilpin. She's in a great new short form series called Old Guy. And what you're going to hear in a minute is a conversation about that, along with plenty of Frasier talk, and Perry's answers to some great questions that fellow Frasier fans submitted. And I just want to note that it was very much an out-of-body experience because I don't think I fully understood what was happening because I couldn't believe it was happening. And yet I felt like I knew her because as I'm sure you can all relate to this, I've been watching her on television for such a long time (laughs) that I felt like I knew her. So it was a very strange combination of feelings. Maybe you'll sense that during the interview, me understanding what's happening. (laughs) I look forward to a time when I can listen to the interview and understand that I was actually talking to Perry Gilpin. As we wrapped up the podcast, I told Perry that I wanted to encourage fans of the podcast to donate to causes that would benefit the Black Lives Matter movement. This is a pivotal time in our country's history, and if I can use my little platform to encourage donations to some organizations doing really good work, I want to do that. So Perry, who you'll soon hear if you couldn't already guess, is an incredibly warm, gracious person, and she really blew me away when she offered up something to motivate people to donate. So here's what's going to happen. If you enjoy this episode, it would mean a lot if you donated to one or both of the following organizations. The first organization is GLITS. That stands for Gays and Lesbians Living in a Transgender Society. GLITS is a grassroots organization that supports the LGBTQ community. They want to create a major housing facility for trans people, which will include emergency as well as long-term shelter, mental and physical health care, legal services, job placement, and other support services as they transition from homelessness to independent living. Glitz was started by a black trans woman and they help all sorts of people, including lots of trans people of color. If you're not familiar with the statistics, it'll take you just maybe a minute of research to realize that trans people, and especially trans people of color are, as a group, facing a lot of challenges that largely stem from them just wanting to live their lives The way that feels right to them. People don't deserve to face disproportionate levels of violence and homelessness just for being who they are, right? So let's support glitz. So the second organization uh, that I'd love for you to donate to, it's actually a bail fund, specifically a bail fund splitter that distributes money throughout the United States to more than 70 community bail funds, mutual aid funds, and racial justice organizers. These bail funds are helping to address the disproportionate impact of the cash bail system on communities of color, providing assistance to those who can't afford it. They're helping get migrants out of detention, they're posting bail for protesters, and so much more. And here's where it ties back to Frasier. If you donate $25 or more to one of these causes, you'll be entered into a raffle to win a prize that Perry has made available for this purpose. Get ready. It's a Frasier script signed by the entire cast, and not just any script, it is the two-part series finale, Goodnight Seattle. You know how important those words are to me. You know how important that episode is to me. I end every episode of this podcast by saying, Goodnight Seattle. And it is, when I say it's signed by the whole cast, it's signed by the whole cast, including the late, great John Mahoney. I'd say this is quite a prize for a Frasier fan. All you have to do is make a qualifying donation during the month of July and send proof to imlisteningdonations at gmail.com by August 1st. Email me a screenshot of your donation or just forward me the confirmation email you were sent as proof. I'll make a list of all the people who donated and use a web service to randomly select the winner and announce them on August 8th on social media. So I know I've thrown a lot of information at you, but don't worry. I'll be posting all the details and the, you know, the email to send your proof of donations to everything regarding the script giveaway on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So follow me at Anita Jutina, A-N-I-T-A-J-E-W-T-I-N-A, on Instagram and Twitter, and check out the I'm Listening Facebook page for those details. I hope tying the donations to a Frasier script doesn't cheapen the value of the work being done by these organizations. I really believe they're worthy of our support at any time, and my only hope with the raffle is that it might inspire a few people who wouldn't have otherwise thought to make donations to support some good causes. And one little thing I can do with the incredibly generous help of Perry Gilpin is have our Frasier corner of the internet try to do some good. So that's my spiel. Hopefully we can raise some money, and I know at least one of you will walk away with a really cool memento from it. Please enjoy. My interview with Perry Gilpin. Perry, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. This is a truly surreal uh, experience, especially because we are in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so, frankly, I really couldn't uh, imagine it back in March that I would be a quarantined in my apartment. And
2: talking to you.
1: <laughs> How has it been on your end, being indoors
2: and all that? Um, it's been interesting. I have two 16-year-old daughters who are, um, you know, we're in 10th grade this year. They just finished school yesterday or the day before. Okay. And it's kind of hard to tell because it was so different. You know, it wasn't, they didn't go to school. They were here, but they were very devoted to what they were doing. And, and, um, but like sometimes the teachers would let them know that morning if they were going to do something and it just was different. You know, there was no way to, You sort of had to trust that they had it under control and they did. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's amazing. And and we checked in and the teachers would check in with us, but it was sort of like you could almost, I felt like this, our school system sort of said, get out of this, what you need to get out of this. Cause none of us know how to do this. There's no we're going to set our own standards here and and, mm-hmm. and and just deal. And I felt like that was a really healthy way.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. I've been hearing all kinds of things from um, parents with children of varying ages. Uh, I have a friend who is a two-year-old and said, it's not easy. Can you believe it to have a two-year-old at home? And also, uh, I don't have any children and I, um, I have extreme... Uh, I'm very impressed with parents that are teaching from home. It sounds like me too.
2: It's, I, I it's didn't really different. understand that, you know, for at the beginning because I got 10th grader, so I was like, and then I started to see it on, you know, as people were talking about it, I thought, are people actually homeschooling? That would be very difficult. My hat Whew. goes off.
1: Uh, my hat goes off to them as well. So here's a very important question for you. Uh, is this your first appearance on a podcast about the show Frasier? No. Really? Oh, man. (laughs) Wow. I was so arrogant to think that this was your first time.
2: I don't think it's arrogant, but um, no, I did Kevin Smith's show. I did one with Ken Levine. I've done one with my friend uh, Mark Roberts called uh, Let's Get Into This. And I think I've done one more. I know I've done one more and I can't. I just went out of my head. Well, I mean,
1: honestly, the only other Frasier podcast I knew about was Talk Salad and Scrambled Eggs, which is Kevin Smith's. But now I have other ones to check out. (laughs) Um, You're the uh, third person from the the Frasier family to join the podcast. I had Trevor Einhorn on, um, I think, last year and Joe Keenan was on the previous year and they were both great. Yeah. So I'm glad that I am now just one of many uh, Frasier podcasts um, <laughs> that you are a part of. Uh, so I'm curious, do you have any favorite Frasier episodes?
2: Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I, that was another podcast I did was with a, a guy called. It was on laugh tracks, and we discussed in detail my favorite episode, which is called. And 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 it is my favorite, but I have other favorites too. I. But the one that we talked about a long, long time was Roz and the schnoz. And uh, I let Jeff Richmond wrote that. And um, he also wrote one called Voyage of the Damned that I loved a lot. And there was one that my, I love this one called I, uh, Fraser loves Roz because that was one of the early ones where I think it was the first time we ever saw Roz's apartment. And I had the bridesmaid dress on and I had this great scene with Frazier with Kelsey, where he came in my apartment and I had to, um, I had to get this brush stuck in my hair. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of elements to it. There were a lot of, there was a lot of dialogue. There was a lot of blocking. There were a lot of, you know, things like getting a brush stuck in your hair and he had to brush my hair. And my mother was in the audience and, um, and we got it like in one, one take. And I had I was really nervous about it. And John Mahoney and I worked on it and worked on it upstairs. You know, in the green room, we we just ran lines and ran lines and ran lines. And he didn't direct me, but in a way he did because we talked about the scene. and so i and and we had a great director that week, Charles McKenzie. And there's a third name in there. There's a third. but <laughs> um he he was a great director. But a lot of times on uh, a sitcom or any TV show, there's not a lot of time for discovery you know and and um you know a lot of times with sitcoms you want to discover it in the moment and to do that you've got to be super prepared and I I just there are times I just felt like I could not be prepared enough and so because I think John sensed that he ran it with me ran it with me ran it as a way to try to like a like a coach you know would work with a athlete like pet me up and give me the confidence to go do it. So when we got out there, you know, I knew my lines, Kelsey knew his, we knew our lines or no, we just did it in one thing. And my mom, I w- just never, I went up to the rail and my mom was like, that was so great, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and it was great. It was just fun because it was like, I don't think we did it again. I think we just did it one time. And that's um am I a close friend of mine who introduced me to my husband was sitting next to my mother and we always talk about that. She always goes, "I'm so glad I was sitting next to your mom for that episode because she had she just cuz she lives in te- she lived in Texas. So she didn't get to come to all the taping. So it was like a really big deal."
1: Aw, that sounds lovely. Good memory.
2: I you um
1: yeah, you made me think about the fact that I mean, A that's a a great just that whole scene with the brush, but there have been some great scenes in Ross's apartment. Um, I also enjoyed the one where the milk goes bad. It's after she's found out that she's pregnant. Right. And she kind of has a full on freak out. That's very understandable. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I'm just going through in my mind one uh, uh, great scenes. And then in the second apartment, she uh, throws Bulldog out because she's been scaring away. He's been scaring away all of her dates. Yeah, some great moments in Roz's history in Roz's apartment. Um, Before we get into old guy, uh, I'm just curious. So I'm sure you're not surprised to know that Frasier is a very comforting show for a lot of people, including myself. You know, it was on Netflix for a long time. Uh, now I think you can watch it on Hulu, uh, but it's definitely a comforting show. Do you have a comfort show, like a show that you watch constantly or just keep watching repeats over and over?
2: Yeah. In fact, when you talk about this, a lot of the time I, when I've listened to your podcast a couple of times and I laugh, I, I think you feel like about fraser the way i felt about a lot of shows but especially dick van dyke i loved that Mm -hmm. show and i would it would come on uh, when i first moved to la it would be on nick at night i don't know if that's a channel anymore but uh it would come on and at 11 o'clock and then i could go to sleep it's like i would just stay up until it came on and then i could sleep and i used to why can I, why am I going to sleep when my favorite show comes on? It's like, I just felt comfortable, you know? And a lot of times I would do that with David Letterman. I would dream about David Letterman so much. I felt like <laughs> I knew him because I would fall asleep with him. You know, and I've dreamed we did stuff together and had like adventures together and went to the bank and the grocery store and stuff. <laughs> and I realized, and so when people tell me that, I, I totally relate. I know exactly what you're talking about. Because I, yeah. ha- I have felt the same way. And it's funny because, I said this to my friend uh, the other day when I told him I was going to do this I said it's like me talking about Dick Van Dyke I I have what I got from it and it may not have anything to do with what they were trying to say or do but it's what I got from it which is really valid Oh
1: for sure And and yeah. and, and
2: you realize you put something out there in 1961 or whatever year and now we're watching it all these years later you're really putting something out in the world so you You really have to take that, you know, keep that in mind, I think.
1: Oh, actually, you brought up dreams. I just have to ask, did you ever, maybe during while Frasier, you were on the show, did you ever have Frasier-related dreams?
2: No, I don't think I ever did. I don't, not that I, not that stand out. I must have, but I don't, nothing comes to mind. (laughs) That's
1: okay. I mean, I can tell you I've had Frasier related dreams and, <laughs> similarly to you because I was watching it on TV and then I would- As like, you
2: fell asleep. Of
1: course. And then I'd like be in the, in the set. It was, yeah, it's very strange. Uh, so we're going to dive into some more uh, Frasier talk later, but right now um, I'd love to talk about what you've been up to these days. Uh, so I watched the whole short form series, Old Guy, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, So I'd love to hear in your own words, uh, what is the premise of Old Guy?
2: Well, the premise is, uh, some friends of mine made it. These two women, uh, and and this is all part of it, because it's just Maria Burton and Ursula Burton are part of a production company called Five Sisters Productions. So with their three sisters who are all in the business in one way or the other, they make films together and they they wrote this and but i had known maria and ursula for years and we i was in a book club with them many years ago and i just i met them right when i moved to la so they used to tell me hilarious stories about their parents like one her, their dad was like the head of the psychology department i believe it, at suny purchase or suny buffalo they all went to nepal once and they were in a and and they were in some where you smoke I don't know, you know, they were smoking something, and the kids were all like, <laughs> Maria and it was the oldest, I think, and they were like, Mom and Dad, we, we're, I, we have, we've got all of the kids are with us, so they said, we're going to go to the temple, you know, and the mom and dad were like, okay, great, go, and they... They went to leave, and then they realized they didn't have any money, so they came back. And the mom and dad were like, "Did you have fun?" You know, they're like, "We didn't go yet." You know, they're just so there. But and then they would talk about how they at the table, people would tell stories, and they'd get so bored with each other, they would just fall over one by one. Just really funny stories. So when they said that their dad had retired and their parents had moved to LA, I was um, I was interested. And then they said, and my dad is uh, you know decided to to uh, pursue acting again and he started auditioning and he is just on fire. He's just getting job after job after job. And I'm like, well, that's great. And they go, but it's all like for cadavers or you know people (laughs) with adult diapers or whatever. And I'm like, you're kidding. And they said, so we wrote this thing. We want you to play his agent. So it just, I was in before I'd even read the script because I loved the premise and it really was based on what had really happened. And so it's about ageism in Hollywood. But it's also about a lot of other things and, and the, and the great, it's about an an agent and actor relationship and, and, uh, and also Roger, their dad, that both their parents have passed away since we did this in 2013. So, but he was such a good sport. You could tell he's such a good sport in life as well as the character that he played in this. And for that to be sort of like your final message to the world, you know, I just think it's brilliant, you know, and and to to do it in with as much humor as they did it. and 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 um i I was with Roger for a lot of those scenes. He was having so much fun, and his wife was having fun. and the five sisters, they all took an episode. All Five Sisters directed an episode. And it was a real family. It was a real family affair, a family project, and I just uh, was thrilled to be a part of it. And, and I mean, on that, I really mean that sincerely. It was fun, and I was I'm proud of it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's really lovely. I honestly, I af, I didn't realize that it um, that it was their parents until after I finished the series. Um, so that's really nice that the entire family got to work on like a creative project together.
2: I think they often did when, when the five sisters productions, I think when they make things, I think their mom and dad are usually around or kind of on the set with them. I think their mom is a writer as well, or she was, she's passed away, but she wrote books. I know she's got a book that's very famous and I'm sorry, I'm not remembering, I'm not remembering the title, but I know she was helping with the script and stuff. And then the dad was a psychologist or a psychiatrist. So, you know, his messages, what he was saying to people were very deliberate. You know, it wasn't just sort of like, I'm going to say these lines. I mean, he really knew what he was saying and why he was saying it. And the way he says stuff is just, it's just genius. I think only he could do it, you know? Yeah, he seemed,
1: I, I, and again, now I'm thinking back to all the scenes between Harry and his wife and now realizing that's actually his wife. Yeah. Makes it very, a lot sweeter. So sweet. So you play uh, Harry's agent, Winnie. I describe her as a, uh, uh, an agent with a no-nonsense attitude who's <laughs> painfully honest about the roles that Harry can get as a senior actor. I'm curious, uh, without naming any names, uh, did you draw inspiration from this character from any real-life experiences? Or do you feel like there are agents out there that match this description of Winnie in real life?
2: Well, I think, you. yeah. I mean, I think all agents do. At, every day at all times with actors of all ages and I think actors of all ages go through what Roger went through with their agent. You know, it just happens to be a a, a moment in time between these two. But I, I, you know, I think actors are always pushing for usually, I mean, even, even the stars are pushing for more, you know, I think actors are always hoping for bigger parts or better parts or parts that are more prestigious or parts that are more challenging or parts that will get them more money or parts that will make them more famous or whatever they're trying to do. And agents are constantly trying to say, well, uh, you know, how about this instead? Or let's do this while we're looking for that. Or this is what you got. You know, this is what we have for you. And, and And it's not always, it's not, you know, I think actors have unrealistic ideas about what agents can do sometimes, but at the same time. I do think that there are different kinds of agents and, you know, you, you, and, and different kind, you know, different kind of clients. So it's great if you can, it's great if you can find the right match for you for both, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I, uh, uh, my, I had an agent that for years, that was also one of my best friends and he still is. And we would sometimes he'd go, you're agenting me, you know, like anytime you're <laughs> trying to talk somebody into something, you know, and you're trying to lay it out in a way where it's their decision to do it. You know what I mean? But like there'd be times when we talk and I'd say, but I think I'm going to be, he goes, listen, if you're looking for excuses not to do it, you know, then let's not do it, you know, because you want to do things that, you know, you're looking for ways to make it work. If you're looking for, you know, but then sometimes I think as John would point out to me, sometimes we're scared and we're, we're scared of it. And so we act like it's not the right thing for us when actually we're just kind of chicken, you know? So there's a lot of elements to it, and I, I, and that's why I think that they just wrote it. It's so funny because I remember even from a young age being said, do you want to do diaper commercials? Do you want to do tampon commercials? Do you want to do laxative commercials? Just let us know now, and we won't <laughs> send you, you know? And it's like, no, I don't want to do any of that. But my mother had the longest, had a very long, long, long running uh, commercial for adult diapers for Depends.
1: Oh wow!
2: Yeah, and the funny and, and the funny thing about it was, I guess after you, you know, when you get to a certain age and you have problems with incontinence for whatever reason, if you if someone hugs you, well, this was the premise of the commercial. If someone hugs you, you might, you know, pee a little, you know. So my mom was at a wedding, you know, she was like, I'm supposed to be the mother of the bride, and everyone's hugging, and you know, they're all hugging each other, but now they can hug safely, you know. And it was, we would pee our pants you know <laughs> watching it because it was it was funny she had to sort of wrestle she she finally you know I think her agents called her and said would you do this and she was had gotten to an age where she was like yes it's fine
1: yeah so that brings me to uh another question which is the series is about ageism in the media and this is regarding a male actor's experience So uh, in your experience as an actress, is it similar for women? I mean, you mentioned like, you know, what gets thrown in there as an option? Tampon commercials, (laughs) uh, uh, diaper commercials. So do you feel like in terms of the roles that you're when you were starting out versus now, like how I guess how have those roles changed?
2: Do you do you mean, well, there's still those kind of commercials, right? Sure, but now they're even more intense. You know, now people like go into like deep, intent, real detail about you know like (laughs) I I I, um I'm kind of the queen of bodily function, so I just nothing makes nothing makes me laugh harder. So (laughs) I I, my friends will go, oh no, you did it again. You keep bringing that into the conversation, but you know, I there are a lot of commercials like that now. Now I notice a lot of the times they're animated because you can have Mm. bears talking about. You know what you know what I mean? So it's like it's easier to just maybe animate it. But now with all these things, and they do it in Old Guy 2, where they have the list of all the, you know, things it can cause or the things that can go wrong, you know. And um so I think that there's still the same amount of those kinds of commercials, but I think that they, you know, if you can find a person who can like with genuine, you know, affability sell you you know, an embarrassing product, <laughs> you know, that agent, an agent is like, yeah, yee you know? <laughs> of
1: course. When you were um, starting out, were like, I, I've i never had an agent at any point. So I, I just wonder how that dynamic changes depending uh, where you are in your career. But like early on, were there ever any kind of insane roles or, or commercials offered to you by an agent that you were like, absolutely not.
2: Yeah. And, and there, and there still are, I mean, I never, I've had an agent since I was like in the fifth grade or something, because I, I worked as a, as a child, I did commercials and stuff. My whole family did in Dallas. We were the Von Gilpins. There's oh. if you, it was a local commercial, there was a Gilpin in it, you know, a mom, my mom, <laughs> my, we were all doing it. I didn't do it as much as my, Baby brother and sister did, but um, I, then I went, you know, and I started doing theater and I was way more interested in that and way less interested in doing commercials because I just, I hated the, you know, walking in and them deciding if they wanted me or not based on the way I looked or, cause it's not an audition. Mm-hmm. You just go in and they decide. And it's like, well, that's just too much of a crapshoot for me. I, I'd rather, mm-hmm. you know, but a plenty of people love doing it. I just didn't. But yeah, I get, I mean, I get offered stuff all the time that I don't want to do for one reason or another and always have. And, and, and so the question is what changed over the years or, well,
1: mostly I'm thinking about, you know, I took a women in film class when I was in college. And so there's something that I absolutely can't ignore anymore in any movie that I watch, which is immediately, I always am looking for the age gap between the male lead. Right and the and the female lead. Right. And so I just imagine watching a um a short form series about a male actor, granted he is definitely on the senior side, but I just <laughs> wonder what the the perspective is for <laughs> I'm sorry. But
2: he is, is really that... well he yes he is. What what's the perspective <laughs> for for what? <laughs>
1: well I, I just wonder um how different it is to be a woman uh, starting at whatever age and then getting older, what those opportunities look like
2: um, as you get older. I remember reading like, you know, people, you know, when I was uh, younger in my 20s and 30s, I remember thinking, uh, you know, like seeing I'm just gonna say Meryl Streep because I, it might have been the first time I was ever aware. I I know that like Betty Davis, you know, all about Eve, and that's when she was, you know, it was shocking that she played. You know, her career was over. When you're young, you're in your 20s and 30s, you don't think about that. You just don't see it coming. You know, even though you can read about it and see it, you know, you just don't, you just don't know when that moment's gonna be where all of a sudden you're like, oh. But I remember with Fraser, it was 11 years, so. I went from in my early 30s, I think I went from like 31 to 42 in those years. So I really, you know, was another generation. I went from being maybe, I was never an ingenue, but I went from being kind of an older ingenue to being, you know, a mom. And so all of a sudden, the things I was reading for when I left Fraser were completely different roles, you know, and so. That was a wake up, not a wake up call that was like, oh, I'm maturing. This is what's going to be, you know, this is what it's going to be. And then I think I'm now in another area too, but a lot has changed in our business. And, and so there's a lot of opportunity for, it, it. it's not as cut and dried as probably your women in film class made it out to be then. But yeah. it, it's still there. It's still there. But you know what I mean? In, in the history, it sort of opened up, I think, to, you know, the show that Helen Mirren did. And, and then like, uh, you know, Connie Britton's got that, the the show that she's doing about the John, Dirty John or whatever. Oh,
1: Dirty John. Yeah. yeah. And I don't
2: know why that just came to mind. You know, Jane Leaves is doing The Resident. Like you've got, uh, and so many more. Allison Janney's doing Mom. And, you know, you You've got so many uh, Viola Davis just had her show on, you know, I, I, uh, how, how to get away with murder, and and then look at M- Meredith Grey on Grey's Anatomy. I mean, you've got pl, um, there, you've just got a lot of age, more age range now in leading roles. I think, don't you? Sure.
1: I think so. I mean, also, you know, I think I was thinking. I'm sure it's probably different TV versus film too, maybe a little bit. I'm sure it, there's also lots of roles um, and, and every, the genre, genres and, and what roles are available are changing in film as well. But uh, yeah, you're definitely right about television for sure. I've definitely seen, actually, I just thought of another show, not with Connie Britton, but there was one with Catherine Hahn. There was I Love Dick and then, then she was in another show called Mrs. Fletcher. So, yes. Oh,
2: right, right.
1: So that does bring me to the character of of Roz Doyle, who I feel like was very ahead of her time. I'm sure you've heard that phrase (laughs) a number of times. Um, But, you know, she's a a single woman, often in the show, (laughs) enjoys her love life, enjoys her sex life. She ends up raising uh, her daughter on her own. She works. She worked full-time. She doesn't take crap from anyone. She had all the best one-liners and zingers aimed at Niles, Bulldog, Frazier, Simon. Um, so I'm curious, uh, back when Frazier was on the air, do you remember what reactions to her character were in the media back
0: then?
2: Yeah, definitely. I I, um, I always got great feedback from people out in the world. Like, you know, I'd be pulling out of a building, you know, parking lot, and someone went on the sidewalk. we'll go, raz! you know, everyone, people relate, and I remember being in New York City, and people just were so happy to stop and talk the way, you know, they, the way people just naturally do in New York, and they love the character. I think the most confusing thing to me was, I was on The View, and I was, they, I was going to be pregnant that season, and they had decided to do that, and Uh, which I was very happy about. I didn't know how much it would change the character, but I was curious to go through it and find out as if I was, in some ways it was almost like going through and finding out what happens to a woman in that process. Everything but physically. I did not have a baby, you know, but... But, um, I was on and Barbara Walters asked me something. And now when I look back, I realize what a great opportunity it was that I completely missed. Cause I did not know how to handle it, but she was sort of like, how do you feel about being a role model,
1: Ooh.
2: you know, for people and, 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 uh, you know, being a single mom and, you know, pregnancy on your own, whatever that term is. And I go, I just sort of backed out of it a little bit. Like I didn't write it, you know, like that kind of thing. I I, I don't think I, I don't think, because honestly it felt so strange because Roz is a fictitious character. <sighs> <laughs> but at the same time, it was like, you know, people, women get pregnant all the time and they don't get pregnant by themselves. You know? And yeah. I even dated a guy at the time that was saying, don't you think women entrap men, you know? And I'm like, no, I go I don't know any woman that's ever gotten pregnant by herself. So you you're saying that that you're saying a woman wants a guy to get her pregnant so that the guy has to pay her child support for the rest of her life to to take care of this kid that he has nothing to do with but she but you're worried that you're being entrapped to support another human being that you helped create but it's the woman's fault. You know, it was just such a backwards conversation. This was a smart man that I had this conversation with. He doesn't feel that way anymore, but it, it was just of the time. It, we really were and it, it wasn't that long ago, but it was really crazy. So mm-hmm. it really was important to me after that conversation that, you know, what Roz chose to do and how she chose to do it. And it made a ton of sense to me. And it's exactly what I would have done in that situation. But I just didn't know how to talk about it as a, it, I wasn't, it really wasn't happening to me. You know what I mean? I think it was a way to, to uh, make the story interesting and to let Roz grow and to, you know, throw another challenge into the mix and to, you know, like it just, a uh, uh, the next thing that happens in her life and the next thing that happens on the show, I don't think a ton of thought was put into how I was going to handle it on a talk show, <laughs> you know, and I didn't know what to say.
1: No, no. I was going to say you know i think there's a lot of uh shows and characters that i don't think people got understood yet maybe including like you while you were on the show uh like i don't know for some reason i just thought of the show freaks and geeks which was like a show that got canceled after one season but it's like a cult has yeah. a cult following now so sometimes i don't think you could really know until after the fact especially as you were that character like you were in it
2: Definitely. I mean, I was watching. I just told the story the other day. I was in New Jersey doing a play and I was doing Midsummer Night's Dream and I was in my hotel room because we were just performing at night. You know, we were through rehearsal. So I was just sitting in my hotel watching Baby Boom, that Diane Keaton movie. And it's about a woman in her thirties and she's on the fast corporate fast track and she's married and they both got their computers in bed and they just work all the time, work all the time, getting ahead. And then all of a sudden somebody dies and leaves them a baby. And the first thing the guy does is leave. So she's got this baby, but she's trying to like be her big corporate person and then take care of this baby. And finally she moves to the country and she figures out how to do it because she has this baby. And so I was just sitting there thinking, God, what, Somebody, you know, I'm 35 years old. What if somebody like left me a baby? What would I do? This is would be hard. And then Jeff Greenberg, our casting director from Fraser, called found me in this hotel. We didn't have cell phones. I don't know how he found me, but all of a sudden the phone rings, hello, Perry, it's Jeff. They're gonna make Roz pregnant this season. I am not kidding. I'm like, I'm watching Baby Boom. I'm thinking about this. It's <laughs> going through my head. So it was sort of like I was like, wow, I'm gonna find out in a way.
0: Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hi, I'm Alexis
1: Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently,
0: a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit.
1: You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So, like you said, I don't think we really knew. And, and I love the way she handled it. I love who the father was and I, I, and she was freaked out. And I think, I think with Roz, I think the women that wrote on the show, you know, created this character or, that they really wanted to see. I had a friend that I based Roz on. And so it made sense because they basically wrote my friend. And so I knew I, I, I played my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you have a roz in your life? I do have a roz in my life. There's a lot of rozes. There's a lot of rozes. <laughs> there really are, especially of that, especially of 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 my age, and maybe a little bit older.
1: Uh, I constantly, uh, you know, I host this podcast about my favorite show, Frasier. Uh, I myself am a podcast uh, producer in my professional life. And my first day at my job, I was, I like took a selfie of myself in the booth. I mean, it's not the same as like a radio station, but kind of, because you have the glass window, you have your engineer and your producer. And then on the other side, you have your hosts and your mics and all of that. And I had my Raz moment and it was very exciting. I was like, I I think, I definitely think Raz is a great role model.
2: Aw, yay. Yeah. That's the best uh, thing you could say. Thank
1: you. Oh, to tizzy all tizzy of
2: tizzy. us. To all of us.
1: <laughs> uh, so you mentioned uh, a scene that you worked with John Mahoney on over and over, which mm-hmm. was a great scene uh, where you're wearing the bridesmaid's dress. Uh, what are some other favorite scenes uh, that you like featuring Raz on Fraser?
2: Well, I loved Voyage of the Damned when we just got, you know, we're just laughing our asses off. You know, I still watch it. And There was a, somebody sent me a a scene with me and Kelsey where I was like, I had some kind of a flip. I was taking his headshots and flipping them and his hair was growing back and coming back, you know, receding, coming back. And it was just (laughs) like, you know, but uh, I had a scene with Jane that I talk about a lot that I really, really loved. There's a couple of them. one, Katie Couric did a thing at the end of Frasier and she played it. It was very short, but it was very confusing scene where, you know, it just showed how goofy Daphne and Roz's relationship was. And it's very much like mine and Jane in real life, you know, and um, we had a lot of fun with it. But one of my favorite scenes was at the end of Roz and the schnoz, they added this scene where at the end, I was just sitting up in their apartment and I was looking at a picture of my of my Well, you don't know, but I was looking, I'm like, I'm just scared that they're going to make fun, that my child is going to go through this, you know, I'm about to start, I don't know why I'm about to start crying, but,
1: Aww.
2: you know, it's like, I just want my kid to not have to be made fun of, you know, and
1: yeah. what's wrong
2: with me? And um, Well, you do,
1: you do have kids. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I mean, I genuinely <laughs> felt that, you know, but then yeah. Jane, who had a kid already said this great thing, Daphne said your kid is going to get made fun of your job is to prepare them for that and make it okay and it's just like it's exactly what jane would say in real life and it's so true we can't it's so true like you you just have to be strong enough to to take it not not run away from criticism or people making fun of you so but what was really funny about it was she was looking at a picture and they kept adding in stuff that like stuff we all had like you know, like there somebody we knew had a third nipple and someone we knew had a lazy eye and someone we knew had really big ears. They were always trying to cover. And those were all the things that were wrong with this person in this picture. And then it turned out to be a picture of myself that I was looking at. So we could barely get through it because they kept, every time we would do the scene, they would have added one more like horrible deformity <laughs> that someone there had that we knew, you know, and it just got funnier and funnier. But it was actually really sweet that yeah no I remember that scene that was
1: a great scene
2: I loved the scene with me and Kelsey when I had baby I've always loved that scene and then but all the writers were laughing so hard because they were standing around watching it you know and I they wanted me to be asleep like this okay this is sad but it's a story they wanted me to be asleep like with my mouth open the way people really sleep but I didn't want to be that way I didn't want to (laughs) And I really fought it. And I had a good reason. I'm not going to say what the reason was, but I, I I really fought it, you know. But in the end, I think I did what they wanted me to do because I got what they needed the, that shot. But the all the writers were around and they were all crying and everything. And so then, mm-hmm. and then Jeff Richman said, we were, I go, I go, gosh, everyone was so emotional. And he goes, well, we were just, we weren't crying at you. We were crying <laughs> because what, what parent lets their newborn baby be in a TV show? <laughs> like, Somebody let let us use their baby, you know. And I'm like, and we we were just laughing, you know. They were very funny. We laughed all the time.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. I you know I think about that often. What age the babies are in the scenes where they're supposed to be newborn babies, and I don't know the answer. I mean, there must be legally a cutoff or something. I don't like. I, I imagine you you don't have a baby, and then it's like, okay, they're a week old. Here you go. So I wonder, I wonder how old the baby was. <laughs> I think it was a newborn.
2: I think it was a newborn. Wow,
1: yeah. wow. Are there any other scenes that you filmed that
2: were really hard to get through because you were laughing so much? Oh my god. Well, all of Rosens. That that whole thing was crazy. Um, there was this one scene where I. It was. I just love stuff like this. I came into the apartment. Un- inexplicably I come over. <laughs> no, there's no reason, but I say to Daphne, I've, I've, I'm trying this new pheromone perfume, you know? And so, and, and, um, I'm like, the whole thing is so I can go in the bathroom and put it on in the bathroom. Well, I don't spray it. Anyway, I go in the bathroom, I come out and Kenny's there. And I don't remember why, but Kel- Fraser grabs me and starts kissing me to act like I'm his date. And so, and I'm like, and I think it's this pheromone you know, I think it's this pheromone <laughs> perfume. So I'm like, oh my God. And I run back in the bathroom and I, you know, we would rehearse and we would have our scripts in our hands, right? We didn't have, you know, we have scripts in our hands. So when I went back in the bathroom, there was a sort of a silence. I didn't realize I had an, a line added, you know? So I looked down at the script to like, why isn't anybody saying anything? Oh, it's, and I go, try to control yourself. I just, I just read it, you know, cause I didn't even know I had it. And I heard David like just walking by laughing. This is universal. I just heard David like crack up as walking by, you know, (laughs) and I'm like, Oh good. I know exactly how to say this line, but, and also it works, you know, this new line works, but I just will never forget going, try to control yourself through the door (laughs) thinking that he was, couldn't control himself, and then we would the whole time we were shooting it. We were our teeth were banging on each other, and we were like la- we were laughing so hard we could. I could hear him going, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was just you know it was just hilarious. It was really funny. Well,
1: good job covering it up. It does not show.
2: <laughs> you can't tell we're laughing. I think you can, but I know. But it. But it. I'll you, go back and. Check. Yeah, yeah. You check it out. You can see, but it was just such a funny thing because. Uh, It was just, you know, like we learned that from, I think, David Lloyd, Chris Lloyd's dad, who wrote, you know, like the Chuckles the Clown episode of of Mary Tyler Moore. It's like. Just sometimes all you need is this the simplest little brushstroke of a setup, you know, if the payoff is that great, you just Mm -hmm. go with it, you know, like I just need I just popped over to show you my new perfume and go in your bathroom and spray it on. (laughs) (laughs) It worked. It was fine, you know. Yeah. I, this just popped into my head, but I
1: was thinking about um, inspiration for Winnie. Did you take any inspiration from the character of BB Glazer?
2: <laughs> no, I mean, uh, oh, my, Harriet is crazy talented. She's uh, off the charts talented and, and BB was great. But no, 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 because I thought, I think Winnie is actually like a, an, a human being. <laughs> I did a play with Matthew Modine at the Geffen here, and and I played a a, a really harsh harsh look at a publicist, and it was really ripped her and it ripped the whole industry a new one, you know. (laughs) And I thought it would be fun, and then like my publicist came, who I adore, and I just spent the whole time backstage or you know out after the play going, I hope you don't think I this isn't (laughs) what I think, you know what I mean? I was felt so bad. And then also I got killed in reviews because Julie White had just actually done that in a play that Douglas Carter Bean wrote called The Little Dog Laughter or something like that, which I should know the title. But I hadn't seen it. I just heard about it. So they were like, this has been done and it's been done better. (laughs) So I really got, you know, I, I really learned a lesson. So. Winnie wasn't what I loved about Winnie was I felt like Winnie was the most naturalistic, most real life. This is exactly what it's like to be an agent. And with a slight exaggeration, that was funny, but not too much. And my manager at the time loved it. And and she she thought it was hilarious. And I'm like, really, you're not offended. You don't think she's no, I think this is this is they captured the life of of us you know so that's so so you know bb though is like a she's an alien
1: <laughs> Ooh, i always think bb uh, the
2: agent not bb new Earth. that's always oh, gets... of
1: course yes i can understand <laughs> it can get confusing but yes i was referring to the character bb glazer i always first thing i always think of uh is the monologue she does when she's trying to quit smoking oh
2: my god which, one of the greatest things. One I've of the seen. funniest moments of my life was when I came downstairs during the episode. Well, first, well, and, and she was sitting backwards on a donkey with a sombrero and like a serape, And I think she was smoking a cigarette on the back of that donkey. <laughs> and I'm like, I love my job. I mean, she was and the whole audience is just laughing. I don't think they were even shooting anything. Everyone was just couldn't stop laughing at how it looked.
1: Yeah, she was. She was great. Um. You mentioned, I'm bringing up John Mahoney again, because, you know, I'm such a big fan. Yeah. It sounds like you really worked with him a lot behind the scenes. Um, so my question is, was he as lovely as he seemed?
2: Yes. <laughs> because yes. it
1: sounds like he was pretty great. He
2: was great. He's, he was a great guy. Just a great guy. He called it like he saw it and he could be brutally honest, but you valued it because you valued his values, you know, like you and you and you knew where it was coming from. Like he um, he got a he was a depression era ch- baby, you know, so he grew up he grew up actually in Manchester in England. He was English. Mm-hmm. And and so he did not have much growing up. And he really, really appreciated everything, every physical thing he had, every, you know, uh, he got a lighter, like he was, we were all smokers except for David Hyde Pierce. And so we got a lighter from a gas station. We filled up his car and they gave him a lighter. And then a couple of, and he said, I got this lighter when I filled my car up, you should go to this gas station in Santa Monica. They give you a lighter when you fill up. And we're like, okay. So then he quit smoking like two weeks later and he, he gave I think he gave Jane the lighter. Like he said, I'm not going to need this anymore. So I'm going to, it was a big lighter, a big, you know, but he (laughs) bestowed it on her. So he, he really, he didn't, he just was that kind of guy. I don't know. He appreciated everything. He didn't let anything. He noticed everything. He cared about everything. Do you know what I mean? He acknowledged. And, um, you know, there were a couple of people he didn't like. And so, in and they knew, Hmm. (laughs) they they knew. so it wasn't he wasn't two-faced you know he was very honest about his feelings yeah I
1: could imagine just from what you just said and I definitely have people like this in my life when they're in your corner they're in your corner but if if they're not you don't want yeah them to not look
0: like you
2: <laughs> well he there was there was an the, he it was it, it was he was always re- you could always redeem yourself with him mm-hmm. it wasn't like you're you're mad forever It was just sort of like, not a, not a grudge holder. No, 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 no. You could, you could make up, but he had the standard. And if you didn't, if you lower we went below it, you knew, and it was up to you, but he would forgive you. He would.
1: I'm glad that you guys actually liked each other. Cause we that did. Bumps, yeah, because that always bumps me out when I find out like a show I like or a movie I like. It turns out they hated each other, but it doesn't sound like no. that at all.
2: <laughs> Nobody there hated anybody. It was it, it, there. There were a couple of uh, of uh, abrasive relationships, but they just served to entertain everybody else. And they and and they and ever and they knew it. You know, we we <laughs> we knew when we were doing that. The thing about John was that. He was such a good actor. He came to acting at like 37 years old. You know, he'd been a lot of other things. And so he really, really loved acting. And he was a real, as everyone, but he was a really great person to talk to about, about just the technique, about just the physical act of acting. Would, without getting, you know, we had to work fast. Like Jane, you know, we, once um, Saul Rubinek was on the set and we all took this as a huge compliment, you know, he played uh, Lonnie. Saul and uh, he was on the phone with his wife in the green room. He goes, "Oh yes, I'm here with the Flying Wilendas." You know because we went so fast because Kelsey played that part for nine years before we ever came. He he'd been on that set. It was on the same soundstage, so we he had a pace that we had to learn to keep up with, and it was fun. It was great, but sometimes you had to work on the fly, and so John was a great person to say, "Do you what do you think? You know, do you think is this a good choice or is this a better choice?" And he didn't tell you what he thought. He helped you break it down. And anybody there would do that. But I liked going to John because I felt like John, oh, well, David too, and Jane. I I just found myself with John a lot doing it. But you could always do it with David, Jane, or Kelsey. And if you said to Kelsey, can we rehearse this again? Because I'm not getting this part. He'd stay all day and do it. Everybody was like that. I just liked hanging out with John.
1: Yeah. So I have to ask, uh, I'm I'm sure you've heard the rumblings of a revival of Frasier. I don't know. I don't know if you have any news or <laughs> uh, are you involved? Are there whispers? Yeah, there are. are there you... are
2: actually actual phone calls. I mean, there's actual talk, but I don't know. Everyone's talking about it. <laughs> okay. And I think everyone knows why there's uh, the only hesitation or not hesitation. The only hurdle is the best, best, you know, is a script. just like making sure that it's as good as they always were, and and that's doable. That's possible.
1: Well, I have my fingers crossed. I hope uh, something comes out of it. Me too. I won't. I, I I never say the name of the Fraser groups I'm in online, but one particular one. When I said I was conducting this interview, there were uh, a lot of questions from fans desperate to know about the reboot. So I'm sure they'll be excited to hear that there are phone calls taking place. Uh and that brings me to uh, fan questions, which I've, we're definitely not going to get through all of them. But I'd love to. Uh, there are some questions that I asked online of uh, fans of the show, knowing I was going to be interviewing you today, if they had any questions for you. So this one is from Sally Dalman McCart- McCartney, uh, and she asks, "Would you have liked Fraser and Roz to end up together?"
2: That was a that that was off. That was asked uh, a few times. Uh, during the course of the show. And and I'm sure it was asked of Kelsey too. It was like, it, you know how it is in real life when things don't make any sense one time and then they do make sense another time and they don't make sense again, but now they do. It's like that. It was like that. But I don't think either one of us wanted, you, you know, it's so great to have a great friend like that. You know, and- they, they really are different people. I mean, can you imagine how's that going to work?
0: I just I, could I, never
2: see it working. And I, I think, yeah. and I know Kelsey felt the same way. I just yeah. could never see it really, really working. Although opposites attract. So there was, and that was very real. Uh, and I think that there was an attraction and they had a, a lot, They but I think that, um, It just depended on how the wind blew. You know, it could be, (laughs) it could have been great or, but I kind of love that we didn't do that because, because I think it was more realistic that we didn't and different, just different. For sure. For sure. Trey asks,
1: do you have a favorite Raz one liner? I have, I can tell you, I have some already picked out in my head, but (laughs) you have any.
2: I had a million. I had a million what's yours maybe it'll remind me
1: so mine are actually f- two from the same episode which uh i believe is from three valentines uh when fraser can't tell if he's on a date with cassandra yeah. so he keeps calling Roz for advice i
2: love that one
1: and he's like okay what's what's happening uh, uh d- you know does she like me we're in we're in a hotel and and ross says she ditched her dress she's hitting the sauce what do you need runway lights on the mattress <laughs> yeah. I, thought I was I was a fan of that line. I love that line, and also it means. Or I, I honestly I don't That's even so remember weird. what he said, but but Roz <laughs> said it means even a blind pig can find an acorn once in a while. <laughs> asking about reading signals and stuff. Uh, yeah. So I a, a lot of my favorite Roz lines were often like insults related to Bulldog or Simon. <laughs> like one at one at one point Simon hits on. Uh, many times hits on raz and he's like i think refers to raz's future wife and raz is like your future wife is laying face down in a puddle of drool somewhere i was like
2: yeah such a good burn yeah such a good one (laughs) i love that there was just this one with them when we kind of end or outed we couldn't figure out what it was uh gil chesterton and he started talking about his wife deb and I, and we, that's another one we could barely get through. We were just hysterical, <laughs> but we're like, I, I just remember I went, we thought, I go, we thought Deb was your cat. I just remember, the, <laughs> the I just remembered the line written in the script and how much I loved saying that line. And we were just all blurry because we were laughing so hard. We, I mean, there's a great picture of, of us all. And we're just blurry, except for Edward going, Deb is my wife. You know, that just cracked me <laughs> up. Um, I love the, I, I, I can't remember any, at the, nothing's coming to mind except for um, Try to Control Yourself, <laughs> which I just <laughs> thought was so funny. And I just did this episode of, that was really fun called Family Reunion. There's a show called Family Reunion on Netflix Family, and they shoot on Soundstage 25 at Paramount. Mm-hmm. And it's a great show. And I got to do it, you know, but I was standing right where I said that, you know, doing this whole other show. And I just, uh, it was so full of ghosts. And I'm like, oh, but I wouldn't give. I wish just David would just walk by this show, you know, just <laughs> laughing as he's walking by, you know. But I wouldn't give to hear that again, you know. Aww.
1: I really liked the, um, I the, the, you did like a Zoom reunion.
2: That one, uh, Stars in the House for yeah. Broadway. Yeah. For um it's for the Actors Fund, and he, Seth Rudetsky, and his Mark Wesley are still doing that, and like twice a day. I don't know how they're doing it, but it's amazing. They've raised so much money.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, no, that was mm-hmm. that was so much fun. Uh, okay, another question. Faraz from Dubai asks, "Do you have any memorabilia from the show? And if so, what's your like? What's your favorite memorabilia, clothing, an item from set?" etc.
2: I do. Where is it? Wait a minute. I have, I think it's, it's right here somewhere. Oh, it's right there. Um,
1: Oh, at KACL.
2: Yeah. That was on the, the, uh, console and somebody gave me that. So I have that and I have my, they're downstairs. I have my headphones and, uh, I, that's all I took. I just took my headphones from my, uh, booth. I'm curious. Do you feel like anyone on set, uh, took as much as they could from the set? (laughs) Um, I think everyone grabbed a couple things. I took a lot of things. Uh, it's so funny because I have this whole battle. Our line, our producer Maggie kept framing stills from the show. And we, and we, you know, we put them up in the hallway. And then after 11 years, there just wasn't one square inch where it wasn't full of, you know, just like a, it wasn't an eight by 10. It was like a three by nine, but framed. There were stills everywhere. And most people just took a couple, but I took a bunch. I don't know why. I love, <laughs> I love, I love pictures, you know, but yeah. so, but I have them in a box because I don't know exactly, you know, what to do with them. But one day I'm going to um, like fill a bathroom full of them. I'm just kidding. I don't know. But I do have a lot of those, but that, that's what I have. I have headphones, my Seattle lighter, and then I have all those pictures.
1: I mean, I would recommend Some like in my apartment, I have a wall with just pictures of people that I love, just like family, friends. And, you know, there's no rules. The only rule is you can it has to be like no frame, just like a, you know, a picture, just like a regular like taken on a what are they called? Sti- camera? Uh, I, I was thinking disposable cameras. I have so I think I've got some <laughs> of <Disposable laughs> cameras. What's a camera? <laughs> what is a camera? I don't, I don't remember. It's been so long since I've used uh, not my phone to take
2: a picture. Me too. Um, we just found a bunch of them. They were, they're like artifacts. We just found a bunch of them in a, a box in the closet. That's my only problem is we've just moved a lot in the last few years. So we, there's just, one day when we get where we're going to be forever right when is that going to be <laughs> but um but i but my i do my daughter has a wall like that i know exactly what you're yeah. talking about i love that i have a wall um, and but that i'm looking at like that i love the picture wall i just um, feel like if it's all Frasier stuff i feel like gosh you know it's don't live in the past do you know what i mean <laughs> but i it must be I, it's probably
1: different for you cuz like that's actually part of your <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> life <Yeah. laughs> Because I can tell you, there are some people out there that probably have that
2: in their home <laughs> that had nothing to do with the show. That's funny. That is funny. That's great. Though. I
1: ha- I actually had a TV writer on named Meredith Dawson, um, who's wonderful, and she uh, was sharing her collection of Frasier merch with me, and it was fantastic. She's got shirts. She's got a poster. Um, For for me, I've got my Cafe Nervosa mug, which my best friend got for me for my birthday. And I've got a shirt that just says Fraser on it. So um, that's all I have for my collection. But we'll see uh, what gifts I can get my friends to give me over the course of my life. (laughs) Uh, But on that note.
2: That's so sweet. Yeah. Oh, look what I have. I have this. I forgot. Okay, wait, wait. I do have this.
1: Oh, my gosh. Is that a mouse uh, pad? pad. Mm -hmm. Um, I am very jealous. Are you really? Oh, absolutely. There's a whole, again, there's a group, a large group online that if you were like, I'm selling this, they would put up money for
2: sure. We could raise money for,
1: hmm. hey, I'm telling you, you Definitely could probably sell uh Frasier memorabilia and make a pretty penny for charity. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, our a uh, time has drawn to a close. Um, I, I want to thank you. It's been it's been a whole hour. Can you believe that? No,
2: I can't. I can't. It's oh, well, really fun. I'm,
1: I'm so glad to hear that. That's my favorite thing when people aren't checking their phone to see how long it's been. Mm. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, In the meantime, uh, where can people find uh, Old
2: Guy? It's on YouTube. Yes, it is. Right. I I just
1: wanted to make sure. It's on YouTube.
2: Yeah, yeah, yes. Let the people know. Yes, please watch Old Guy because it'll. you, You can watch the whole thing in I think less than half an hour, and it's such a funny. It's so well made and so funny.
1: Yeah, it's fun. It's light. You know, I'm really trying to watch, honestly, pretty light things these days. Nothing too heavy for me just yet. Um, But yeah, it's really fun to watch. And I um, recommend that everyone here uh, watch it. Well, thank you so much, Perry, for joining us. And until next time, good night, Seattle.